I had to take a shit at work, and the toilet paper there is like fucking sandpaper. It just like sh- fucking tore up my butthole, and not in the good way. Like, oh, I'm gonna tear that ass up, <laughs> and just like. It's just like now every time I take a shit, I'm just like dragging paper against an open uh, wound, and it just like it, it, it uh, can't heal. It's horrible. <laughs> I think I need to go on work cover. This is a workplace injury. <laughs> All right, that was uh, Andrew Gold with Lonely Boy, and today we're talking about the lonely boys who felt they were all alone and snapped. We're talking about people who were pushed to the edge and then went tumbling off. Now, we could obviously talk about some really dark shit in this episode, but we're only going to be talking about people who did not kill anyone else in their moment of madness. So, I'll be your host. My name is Milhouse Morgan. I feel like I'm going to explode here! And I am joined by... <laughs> I'm joined by... I'm joined by guys who are one step closer to the edge. Lincoln Park Lachlan. <laughs> I'm about to break. And Bennington Brad. What? Chester oh, Bennington. No! <laughs> oh no! That's how a are we? That's how terrible. are we today, guys? Ready to fucking flip out? Oh, Absolutely. I'm gonna fucking snap. I did it. <laughs> yeah, I thought the Bennington thing was a bit. Um, that was slightly obscure for a second because I really did. I, for a second, I, I was didn't remember I that he was Chester Bennington. So I was just I liked like, it. It was a, bit it's a, a joke for intellectuals. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Only the classiest jokes fair, on the show. You have to have a very high IQ to listen to Brad as a bad person. That's exactly it. <laughs> um, all right, Lachlan, do you want to do someone? Our- someone post the Rick and Morty copy pasta, but with Brad as a bad person instead, please. Someone put <laughs> oh, that no. on our Facebook. I'll no. send you. Uh, I'll send you some stickers. <laughs> all right, Lachlan, do you want to do our highest IQ segment, cracking open a cold one with the boys? It's time to crack open a cold one with the boys. All right, we're talking about specifically people who have snapped this episode. So I made sure that I got a can so I could get a good snap good. when I open it. Uh, so tonight, this week, I have a Foster's. Oh, nice. <sighs> Believe it or not, I am Australian. I've never had one of these before because we don't fucking drink these over here. No, we don't. It says on the can, Australia's famous beer brand, which is true. It's famous in every other country, but we don't we don't drink them here. It's like throwing a shrimp on the barbie. We don't do that either. You call it shrimp. Yeah, they're prawns. Um, anyway, it's Foster's. Uh, it's a lager. It's from Victoria. Same with every other CUB beer. Uh, 1.2 standard drinks, which is normal for a full strength. going to snap this bitch open. <laughs> oh, massa. That was good. Good snap. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I really like Fosters. And, uh, uh, yeah, there's a reason. <laughs> You're probably the only Australian who's ever had a Fosters. Well, Lachlan, Lachlan got it because it's in a can and it's going to make a snapping sound. But, um, you know, flicking ahead to Morgan's movie review, our uh, second highest IQ segment, um, <laughs> the, the main character in the movie that I'm reviewing, his last name is Foster. So it's, it's doubly apropos. Good job, Lachlan. Oh, well done. Well done um, to me. So today we're talking about people who have been pushed to their breaking point in some way. It could be a series of unfortunate events. It could be an irrational hatred of people and society in general, or just their own mental health and inability to cope with the pressures of life. In an earlier episode, 
Micronations, I regaled our wonderful listeners of a story when I was almost driven to complete insanity by a red light ticket <laughs> that cost me so, so much. Uh, you're a fucking idiot. Not just $360, but also my innocence. I lost... <laughs> I lost my calm demeanor fighting through the bureaucracy to try to rationally explain why what I did is not dangerous at all, not even close. In fact, tens of thousands of people do it every day in Victoria, most of the time legally, and therefore if it were dangerous, we'd all be dead by now. Anyway, that day, my already waning faith in government, police, the legal system, (laughs) Australia as a whole, the prospects of Western civilization, and indeed, humanity in general, was completely shattered. He's going to snap now. (laughs) <laughs> I snapped that day and someone died as a consequence. I snapped that day and someone died as a consequence. A libertarian died and an anarchist was born. Yes, gentlemen, <laughs> I raised the black flag, flag that day and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. <laughs> so, what about you guys? Have you guys ever snapped? Have you ever come close to snapping? Uh, uh, I have. It's not something I'm incredibly proud of, but when Ash I was... <laughs> oh, God. Every, every day. Uh, <laughs> uh, when, I, when I was younger, I was probably, I don't know, 13, 14. Um, my middle brother, Brendan, really just knew how to push my buttons. Oh, he is a smart-ass uh, prick, though. He is a smart-ass prick. Love you, Brent. Yeah, he's good at um, it. And I don't know. I, I don't even remember what I was so pissed off about already, but he just, like, he had this real gift for knowing when someone was right on the edge <laughs> of losing their fucking mind and just, like, adding the needle, uh, sorry, adding the straw to break the proverbial camel's back. Yes. So, I was already... Raging, full of uh, you know puberty hormones, that sort of thing. And I think I think he just called me a fag or something. Like he just said I was gay, <laughs> <laughs> and I just lost it. I lost my fucking mind. Like I I like I don't even fully remember the whole thing because I partly fucking like blacked out with rage. But I yeah. beat the fucking shit out of him. I gave him a concussion. Oh god! Um, and he had bruises and lumps all over his head. Um. Yeah, it's it's the the only time I've ever um, punched someone in the head. Well, in the front of the head. I punched Morgan in the back of the head one time. That was, as I'm sure our audience can imagine, that was well deserved. Oh, absolutely. Um, that, so that's a, so you assaulted your brother basically. I did. That's yeah. a pretty yeah. extreme reaction to being uh, called gay. Is it? Do you have a insecurity about your sexuality? <laughs> Not anymore, but obviously at the time. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I must have. I put a motherfucker in a hospital over nah, I, I know siblings can really grind your gears and there's no there's nowhere to run when you have siblings. Like you you with them That's all right. day, every day in the house. That's like you right. can't you can't get away. If they're pissing you off, you have to flesh it out, whether that's having a chat or giving them a concussion. You gotta sort it out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, your mum's so nice as well. She would not have been able to handle that. No. My uh, my parents, strangely, made me enroll in karate afterwards. <laughs> uh, I guess they thought my form was a bit sloppy. <laughs> no, you needed some discipline. Yeah, that, that's what they said. But I, uh, I just saw it as, you know, teaching me to fight. 
Yeah, I didn't know you did. Yeah, Corona, Lachlan, you're not. You're, from what I remember in high school, you were more of a pacifist, not not a very violent person. Oh, these 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 hands are lethal weapons <laughs> registered with the government. There's a lot you boys don't know about me. Yeah. Um, all right, what about you, Brad? Have you ever snapped? Come close to snapping? Uh, actually, more when I was in at, at school, so we all went to school together. In case anyone doesn't know that, but um. That's why we're stuck with each other. Oh, uh, no. It's unfortunate. Too, Too old to make new friends. Yeah, it's exactly it. Uh, and I was in, I think it was year, year 10 or 11, and our homeroom teacher was just giving us a spray down because <laughs> some kids were being pricks or something, just saying raw shit. And I was like, no, that's not fair. I haven't done anything wrong. And uh, I got really indignant, and she kept going. And I'm like, no, shut the fuck up. Like, we, d- I didn't do anything wrong. Pick on the people who did something wrong. Like, and this is homeroom. So this is like the, for anyone who doesn't understand, it's like the 10 minutes before you actually go to class at the start of the day. They do the role check, you, check in. Like, she barely talked to us for the, the whole day. Huge waste she, of a class, by the yeah. way. Why can't the first period of the day just mark hmm. the roll off? They marked yeah, the, the roll for the class anyway. And she was just getting angry. Like, she was being a bitch, and I just fucking lost it at her. And I started yelling, and then she told me to go. So then I went to my English class. Which is the first thing, and I don't know if you guys ever had a teacher named Mister Monahan. It's like I short did, dude, yes. glasses, mustache. Yeah, I walked into the classroom before him, and I just flipped a table, and it felt good. And so then I flipped <laughs> every table in the classroom and started throwing chairs around. Oh, and he he stood outside the door and just waited for about fifteen minutes, and then he went, "You're right, you're done." And I'm like, "Yeah, I think I am now." And then everyone came in slowly and picked up all the tables and chairs, and I just stood there. <laughs> You faced absolutely no consequences. No consequences. Didn't say a thing after that. Fucking hell. Yeah. I was just losing it. I you was must just have throwing. had, like, school shooter look on your face. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, I mean, if I'd had a gun. Uh, <laughs> Did that no. song by Foster the People start playing in the background? <laughs> All the other kids with kicks. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think I, just scared. I was so scared. No one wanted to come in the classroom. And he didn't say a thing to me. And then, like... Yeah, he just taught the lesson, and I just sat there, and I felt a lot better. So. <laughs> I think snapping gets it out of the system. It's good. There you go, kids. Violence is the answer. Yeah, yeah it's exactly violence it. against That's one furniture. thing I want you to take away from today. Violence against furniture is totally fine. I think if you if you're annoyed and it's gonna help you relieve some tension by throwing something, as long as that something's not a person, I think that's okay. Speaking of throwing people, Morgs, have you ever snapped? <laughs> well, I, I snap all the it's time. A good, it's a My good life segue. is kind of a snap fest in general. I think <laughs> constantly <laughs> snapping is a good way to relieve tension so you don't have one big snap. So, um, you know, like... <laughs> Lots of little snaps. Micro well, snaps. Whenever, whenever I... <laughs> <laughs> a 15-minute power snap. <laughs> 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 Could save your life. Um, no, like whenever I have to deal with, um, big companies and, you know, the bureaucracy that that entails and stuff like that, I just, I can't handle it. And it just really fucking pisses me off when you can't talk to a person or when you do talk to them, they don't listen to you and actually understand what you're saying. They're just kind of like, they just just read through a customer service script or something. Recent, recently you, you were doing your power bill, wasn't it? And I remember how pissed off you were because you... You were explaining the maths to the person, and they just were like oh, ridiculous. They didn't understand. Origin, origin. Yeah, this is a. I I got I stopped dealing with Origin Energy because I hate them so much for two reasons. One of them is they kept sending me my bills in the mail, like paper copies of my bill, 
and I called up and said, you know, I just want it. It's 2019. I said, I want it. I want it in an email. And they're like, yeah, so sorry. And then, you know, I'd already checked the thing online to get the bills as an email, but uh, mm. it still kept coming in the mail. So I called up and the guy was like, oh, no worries. I'll get that sorted out for you. Got another bill in the mail. So I was like, you know, I don't know if it went through on the system in time, but I still got this bill. And he was like, oh, no, that shouldn't have come. I'll definitely check it for you. I was like, yeah, the guy last time said it wasn't going to come again. So how do I know it's actually not going to come? He's like, no, no, I promise. And then it's another bill still came. And then after that, I got into this argument with them because <laughs> I got into this argument with them because our bill was like $150 higher than it usually is. And it's like a two month or three month bill or whatever. And when you check online to see what you're being charged for, like, you know, your fridge took this much power, this took this much power, there was like $160 in other. And I was like, oh, you can't <laughs> tell me that I'm paying $160 for other when you can't, like, you say this is for heating, this is for uh, the fridge, this is for the, yep. uh, entertainment. How do they know, how, hang on, how do they know what power is going to what appliance? I think they can is it just tell, estimate? Yeah, well, I think they can tell, like, a, a TV uses between this much and not, um, whatever. They figure it out somehow. Yeah, it must be, it must be an estimate. anyway, yeah, $160 an estimate, yeah. for other charges that they couldn't describe to me. I was like, last last month I didn't have any other charges that were over $100, and now this month I do have one. And they wouldn't change it, and they wouldn't, like, take it off the bill. And I was fucking pissed off, and I couldn't get a straight answer out of it. And they're like, <laughs> oh, we'll investigate it for you and get back to me. Never got back to me and still kept sending me bills in the mail. And I was just like, if your office was down the road, I would start snapping <laughs> necks in there. I just, <laughs> I would firebomb that bitch so fucking hard. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, say that again. So, um, hmm. yeah. Now he's with Simply Energy and things are just great. <laughs> uh, no, we're with Energy Australia and so far they've been. Uh, exactly what I want out of an energy company, which is zero correspondence and direct debiting my account without ever <laughs> contacting me and charging me a fair price. So, <laughs> what more can you ask for? Anyway, visit um, energyaustralia.com.au and use code <laughs> BIABP to get 10% off your first bill. Use code <laughs> fuck Origin. They're a bunch of cunts. Don't ever use Origin. Uh, BIABP. <laughs> that definitely exploded. Um, I did yell at someone on the phone, and I feel bad about that. But um, yeah, it's not their I did fault. Explain, you you I can't did, no, no, yell at no, customer no. service people. It's not their fault. Yell at a wage. It cut. was a little bit their fault, but at the end, I explained to them. I said, "You know, look, uh, you know, I know it's not your fault, even though it was a little bit their fault. I know it's not your fault, <laughs> but I'm very frustrated here." And they were very cool. They were very nice about it, and they understood why I was frustrated. And I made a friend in India. Uh. So isn't that nice? <laughs> I'll probably never see him, but... Oh, um, that's where all our uh, uh, podcast listens from uh, Bangladesh are coming from. Uh, totally oh, friends. Between service calls. Um, <laughs> mm, all right, beautiful. anyway, we're each going to talk about a famous or infamous case of somebody snapping. So, uh, Brad, do you want to go first? Yes, I can, Morgs. Uh, I chose to do Marvin Heemeyer and his infamous Killdozer. So, to quote the movie franchise John Wick, Marvin Heemeyer is a man of focus, commitment, and sheer fucking will. <laughs> That's from John Wick 2, the opening, just in case anyone is interested. Great movie. Great movie franchise. Fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. But in, uh, in all serious, Marvin Heemeyer was a victim of bureaucracy and government incompetence. 
a warning like bell Morgan. for any of us <laughs> who trust too deeply in the state. A former member of the Air Force, the single childless Hemeyer, moved to Colorado in the 90s, enamored with the area from his days in the armed forces. He brought a small parcel of land in the city of Granbury and set up a humble muffler repair shop. By all accounts, an excellent welder and an affable person, Hemeyer built a life for himself and the preceding decade saw him become well-known and liked around Granbury. With the changing of the millennium came a change in Hemeyer's fate. <laughs> a rich, rich family in Granbury was looking to open a concrete batch plant and Hemeyer's muffler shop was the only thing in the way. Entering negotiations, it is said that the Dochefs offered him $250,000 for his land. Hemeyer returned a figure of $375,000, uh, but the deal looked looked like it was going to go ahead, but unfortunately, negotiations broke through, broke down. With Hemeyer declaring it would be a cool million to pry his prized muffler shop from his hands. Seems fair. Undeterred by the slimy, undeterred the slimy Dochefs then petitioned the city council to have the area surrounding Hemeyer's muffler shop rezoned. To Hemeyer's disbelief, the plan was approved and the con- concrete batch plant was built. Now, having a concrete factory next to your business might be inconvenient, but not unbearable. I would agree with you, but that's not all that happened. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Determined to destroy Hemeyer, the Dochefs had his water and sewerage cut as oh, they now oh. fell on the concrete plant's land. Oh, Furthermore, that's rude. the concrete plant now blocked the only access road to his business. Hemeyer believed in justice and petitioned the city council to do its fucking job. <laughs> do their fucking job they did. After investigating the situation, the corrupt council issued, issued Hemeyer a $2,500 fine for not being connected to the sewerage line. Oh, Jesus. Oh, fuck off. Yep. Uh, so, that, so someone else cut him off. Yep. From the from the sewerage, and then he asked them. He asked the council to fix it. Yep, and, and they investigated. Of fix it, they they find him for not being yes. connected to Farkin. How correct? A man of unbelievable principle, he might have decided that action would speak louder than words. He brought his own construction equipment <clears throat> and petitioned the council that he create his own driveway and reconnect his own sewer lines to the existing infrastructure. To do that. He bought, among many other things, a Komatsu D355A bulldozer. Keep that in mind. <laughs> That's right. Unbelievably, you done, you do it yourself. His petition was denied. Hemeyer was told to pay his fine and that the issue was now closed. Oh, God. His business that, in that's ruins. That's frustrating. His when finances. They just say this, sorry, Brad, I'm interrupting, but that's frustrating when they just say the issue is closed and yep. we're not going to look at it they anymore. Were, they refuse to hear any more petitions. Oh, on Similar thing happened to me with my red light fine, but let's not get it. They cut me off from appealing. I feel like I'm going to explode. Anyway, his business in ruins, his finances a mess from buying construction equipment and all out of legal options. He might did the only thing he could. He sold his land to a trash company and cut a check to the council for $2,500. Oh. In the memo line, he wrote one word, cowards. Oh. <laughs> now, I said earlier that Hemeyer was a man of focus, commitment, and sheer fucking will. So you might be thinking these don't seem like the actions of a determined man, rather a defeated man. Mm. Well, what Hemeyer did next with the remaining money and the next 18 months of his life will change your opinion. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> he set about ordering tons of concrete and automotive steel. Combined with his Komatsu bulldozer, 
he had the making of the ultimate weapon of retribution. Gradually, piece by piece, Haymire bonded the steel and concrete together to make a 30-ton sarcophagus for his bulldozer. An impenetrable fortress sat atop a nigh-unstoppable machine. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Unbelievably, this was all done by Himaya himself, with only the aid of a homemade crane. The killdozer, as it is affectionately being come to be known, <laughs> had armour a foot thick in some areas, rear and front-facing cameras protected by three-inch bulletproof glass and air conditioning, all completely sealed from the outside world. Jesus. Like, I mean, literally, there was no way in or out of it. Once he was in, he was in. So, on the 4th of June, 2004, Hemeyer lowered his steel coffin atop the Komatsu bulldozer, sealing himself and his fate. With a handwritten list of businesses and names, all that had wronged him in the past, (laughs) Hemeyer went on a rampage, (laughs) destroying 13 buildings, dozens of cars, including the town hall, the former mayor's house, the concrete factory, and the police station. <laughs> Excellent. Nice. Hemeyer's killdozer was impervious to the gunshots from police and SWAT teams. It rolled <laughs> over the top of Dochef, who tried to confront him in a front loader. <laughs> it smashed through every blockade and everything that stood in front of it. They stood, everyone stood and watched and felt as impotent as he had once as they robbed him of his future. <laughs> Unfortunately, the good times couldn't continue forever. And as Hemael was partway through a hardware store owned by one of the council members, the Killdozer's engine became compromised by debris. The radiator was destroyed. The, na- the final nail in the Killdozer's coffin was that its tremendous weight caused the ground below it to collapse, and it was trapped in a shallow basement in the hardware store. The engine died, and it was stuck. Hemael knew that his Killdozer trip was a one-way ticket, so with the vehicle disabled... He chose to take his own life. Two hours and seven minutes. That's how long it had taken for Hemaya to tear the whole corrupt system down <laughs> and teach them a $7 million lesson they wouldn't soon forget. I'll leave you with a quote from Marvin Hemaya. I was always willing to be reasonable until I had to be unreasonable. Oh. Sometimes reasonable men must do unreasonable things. Oh, that's oh, awesome. God. That Boom. gave me chills. Chills. Oh, he, he, he is... recorded like hours of um, him talking about what he was going to do because he had 18 months to plan this. And, yeah, some of the things he says are fucking, like, legendary quotes. Um, that was the best one, though. That is 100% justified, what he did, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. oh, Having to deal with that kind of bullshit. Fuck everyone. I would say it's like... Um, and also, I don't know if I could stay that angry for 18 <laughs> months. Like, <laughs> oh, that's sustained like, I understand, rage. I understand it was some bullshit that he had to deal with, yeah. but 18 months and he mm. was like the day he got in the bulldozer, he was still just as angry, still yeah. angry enough to bulldoze, what was it, 13 buildings? <laughs> yeah, 13 buildings and countless cars. He destroyed that so is much just. Shit. He must have just been stoking that uh, those oh. flames of fury inside him for for eighteen months, like just yeah. looking at pictures of the council members he, and stuff. Like he that. had that calm, sustained rage. You see, like yeah, because if, if for people who are inevitably going to go look up the Killdozer, it was so well built. Like it had air conditioning, it had cameras, so that he couldn't be he could see without being having any access ports, so that people could shoot in there or anything like that, and. Um, the cameras were surrounded by this bulletproof glass so that people couldn't shoot out the cameras. Mm. So he'd, like, thought of everything. They even had um, 
air nozzles to spray dirt and dust off it so that if they got covered, he could spray them. Yeah, he thought of everything. He thought of everything. Like, he was genius. He had gun ports out the side and he tried to blow up some propane tanks as well, which was, you know, he, he, he went he went off the deep end, let, let's be honest. So, But it would have been great if he'd got the propane tanks as well because he would have blown up the gas company <laughs> there. <laughs> I, I have seen um, the video from when... The, I think it was the owner of the concrete company got in the front loader and, like, tried to fight him, basically. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, so I'll fight fire with fire. <laughs> he tried to, <laughs> tried to have, like, a bulldozer battle. Yeah. Ain't nothing, <laughs> nothing going to stop the killdozer. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he, shit, he shit on everything. Like, the cops jumped on it and they, they flashbanged the exhaust pipe. Like yeah, couldn't do shit. And they thought, oh, this will get him for sure. But he'd sealed that off so it wouldn't go anywhere <laughs> near him. So they flashbanged mm-hmm. it did nothing. He was... He was a man of, you know, extreme focus. Yeah, they would have needed will. to fly in like a fucking AC-130 or something to just... Yeah, brrr, actually, I didn't, include, it. <laughs> I didn't include it in the um, uh, in, a, in my little spiel there, but uh, the governor at the time, after they weren't able to stop him immediately, considered bringing in an Apache helicopter oh, to take shit. it out with, with a Hellfire missile. Oh, <laughs> fucking <no>. gunship. <laughs> they ended up changing their mind because they thought that the damage that the Hellfire missile would cause would be equal or more than the bulldozer. Let's just nuke the city. So their second option, funnily enough, was a two-man team with a Javelin anti-tank missile. I don't know Fucking if you've seen hell. those. Those are the ones that shoot up real quick. They go, psh, psh, yeah. you know, straight yeah. up. And um, come straight down, yeah. Yeah, because that was literally all that could get through. It's like a foot of fucking concrete and steel. It was probably better armoured than an actual tank, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, it, it was comparable to that. Like their, even, their armour isn't a foot thick. Yeah, but it's made of better stuff, though. So yeah. it, it ends up being very similar. But literally, like they were hitting it with armour-piercing rounds, so, like anything that they had, and it didn't even scratch it. When he killed himself... It took them like another twelve hours to get into the tank. Oh good oh, god! Uh, they they strapped three. They thrice thrice tried to blow it up with like just explosives on the side. Didn't even scratch it. <laughs> then they had to get an oxyacetylene torch and cut into it. And they just sat there for like twelve hours cutting into this this thing with an oxyacetylene torch. And they finally yeah. got in there. Good. Like it was indestructible bar the radiator. <laughs> How did he get into it? Oh, he used... Okay, so this is the thing. It's amazing because he, he wanted it completely sealed, like no one could get in. So he, he had the, the, the bulldozer there with his, you know, seat and mm. platforms and tables that he'd had in set up in it with monitors. And the sarcophagus was on a crane, which he was operating from, like, remotely, and he lowered it down onto himself, disengaged the hooks, and that was it. Uh-huh. Like, it was down. There was no way to get out of it. It was literally like a big steel lid. Wow. He must have, like, welded it from the inside or something onto the bulldozer. No, no, it was just the weight. It was 30 ton. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, it was, yeah, it was not small. Like, he had a crane, yeah. and he'd, he'd, he'd been building it on the crane, and when he finally put it all together, he just left it on the crane, and when he was done, he lowered it down onto himself. I don't know how he managed it. Like, it's just ridiculous. I really like this story because it, it seems like this guy had lost his business, and he just had nothing left to live for, but he was like... Like, you know, I could go into town hall and start shooting people. I could try to take out a few police because I'm really angry at the government and the the people who didn't protect my rights and stuff like that. So he could have went on like a murderous rampage. He was like, no, I'm not going to hurt anybody. I'm going to send a message yeah. and get my retribution that way. And I think, you know, he caused a lot of damage that the taxpayers would have inevitably had to pay for. But I think uh, his story... Uh, it's probably pushed people 
towards less faith in government and less faith in regulation and bureaucracy. So overall, Absolutely. $7 million might have actually saved some money. Who knows? <laughs> $7 million well spent. Yeah, not all that. Like, he, he destroyed some private residences as well. So not all of that $7 million was You want to make an omelet, Brad? Got, got a few place. insurance companies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, he raised the entire town hall just to give people an idea and the police station. Good. Both of them had to be demolished and rebuilt. Um, he destroyed the concrete company building that had to be rebuilt. He like every the the hardware store had to be re- demolished and rebuilt. He fucked every. It's not like he clipped a corner of it. He knocked these buildings down with his fucking bulldozer. It was amazing. Yeah. He yeah he he was gone too soon. Total, He's a hero. Total bad. I guess. I love it. So, Moggs, are you going to try and um, get the designs for the Killdozer and uh, take a trip down to Origin <laughs> no, look, You know, I've, I've still got things to live for, but, you know, if ever I don't have something to live for, I'm not going to hurt anyone on my way out, but maybe I'll do something Killdozer-ish. <laughs> I want to live on him for me as the guy who fucking built a badass Killdozer. That's awesome. Yeah. i to do something like that. That's pretty um, sick. Actually... One like last final fact is because they knew that it would attract people's attention and, and admirers, they actually cut it down into many pieces, the killdozer, and then distributed it at scrapyards across the country. Oh, no so shit. As, yeah, so people couldn't collect souvenirs because they knew he would have admirers. Oh, yeah, I'd buy a piece of the yeah, killdozer. Yeah, I would fucking buy a piece of the killdozer. I want the scoop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Put yeah. it in your front yard. Yeah. I'd Spray paint, it. don't tread on me on it. <laughs> Oh, I'll tread on you. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, no. Get the get the treads. Fuck. All right. Yeah. I can't believe um, I didn't think of that yeah, straight away. Yeah. All right, Lachlan, do you want to regale us with a uh, another story of someone who snapped? I do. So um, Thanos, once he collected all the Infinity Stones, put them in the gauntlet, and no. he snapped oh, you and wiped idiot. out half of all life in the universe. Uh, <laughs> Overreaction. I joke. I joke. I'm not even I kid. No. no. Um, and I need to joke because we're about to... This, this is a sad story that I'm going to tell. Um, it's one that, Get it's your one that ready. probably a lot of people are familiar with, but um, it's, it's a story that needs to be told. So, on August 10th, 2018, a Horizon Air Bombardier Dash 8 Q400 was stolen from Seattle-Tacoma International Airport in Washington. In this post-9-11 world, you might assume that only a terrorist would be interested in hijacking a 76-seat commercial passenger aircraft, but in the cockpit, without an ounce of ill will in his heart, was 29-year-old Richard Russell, Bebo, to his friends and family. Richard Russell was born in Key West, Florida. When he was seven, he and his family moved to Wasilla, Alaska. Richard attended college in Oregon, where in 2011, at the Campus Crusade for Christ, he met his wife Hannah. They were married a year later and opened a bakery in North Bend, Oregon. In 2015, so Hannah could be closer to her family, they sold the bakery and moved to Sumner, Washington, where Richard enrolled at Washington State University and got a job as part of the ground service crew for Horizon Air at SeaTac Airport. Bebo was a warm, compassionate man, his family said in a statement released after the incident. It is impossible to encompass who he was in a press release. He was a faithful husband a loving son, and a good friend. And this was echoed by his friends and co-workers interviewed by the media. Richard was a positive and upbeat guy. As part of his communications class at WSU, he uploaded videos to YouTube and audio clips to SoundCloud. They're all still online now, and they paint a picture of a happy, friendly guy. Mental health is a complex, largely misunderstood issue. 
Despite the outward appearance of a vibrant, happy young man, below the surface Richard was sad and lost. Nobody who knew him ever saw it. Richard was part of the tow team at SeaTac. His job was to drive the, the little truck that pulls the planes around, like a grounded tugboat. As such, he had unfettered access to the planes and runways, and on that August day, he manoeuvred the turboprop plane from Cargo 1 to Runway 16C without raising any suspicion. Once on the runway, Seattle Tower asked for identification on frequency but received no response. A nearby Alaska Airlines jet reported to the tower that the Q400 had begun a takeoff roll with its wheels smoking, and at 7.32, <laughs> Richard Russell lifted off. All flights in and out of SeaTac were immediately suspended and two F-15 fighter jets were scrambled from Portland National Guard Air Base to intercept. Then, at 7.40, Richard finally responded. Man, I'm a ground service agent. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's difficult to hear the context because of the air traffic controllers trying to get all the other planes in the air into a holding pattern, but Richard finally starts to open up. Start it up and get it to go. Uh, a couple hours, I guess. But, um... Seattle Tower, in the hopes that they can de-escalate the situation, start talking to Richard about getting someone on the radio that can talk him through landing. So we'll see what we can do and get you in contact with somebody. But Richard isn't missing this opportunity. Alrighty, um, <laughs> yeah, I just kind of want to do a couple maneuvers, see what it can do before I put it down, you know? After a couple of minutes of silence, the tower hears from Richard again. But, proving how nice of a guy he is, he's apologetic. Ah, shoot. Man, I'm sorry about this. I hope this doesn't ruin your day. Without any previous flying experience, it's impressive that Richard was able to get the plane into the air at all, let alone perform the barrel rolls and loop-the-loops that various sources of footage captured him doing. But he had an answer for that. Just flying the plane around, you seem comfortable with that? Oh, hell yeah, it's a blast, man. I've played video games before, so... I, uh, you know, I know what I'm doing a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> this only happened last year, so I'm sure most of our listeners know that this is a tragic story. But I can't help smiling while listening to the audio. Richard was a genuinely funny guy. Damn it, Andrew! People's lives are at stake here! Now, Rich, don't, don't say stuff like that. Nah, I just told you, I'm not, I don't want to hurt no one. I just want you to whisper sweet nothings into my ear. <laughs> <laughs> and while talking to air traffic control, it almost sounds like he's at peace. Obviously, we don't have time to play the full <sighs> audio, but I'd highly recommend listening to it, and we'll put a link to it in the description. Despite concerted efforts from Seattle Tower to convince him to land, Richard decided that wasn't an option. Even though he knew he was loved... I got a lot of people that care about me, and uh, it's going to disappoint them. To hear that I did this. He saw himself as too broken to go on. Just a broken guy. Got a few screws loose, I guess. And sadly, at 8.43pm, Richard Bebo Russell intentionally crashed the stolen plane into Ketron Island in Puget Sound, killing himself instantly. While he was still in the air, the story was posted on 4chan and quickly spread to the rest of the internet. Users on poll dubbed him Sky King, and numerous posts on Reddit and videos on YouTube um, in his name have been published in tribute. Rest in peace, Sky King. 
Yep. F in the chat for this guy, King. Sorry to bring the mood down, boys. Uh, that that one where he's like, I just want you to whisper sweet yeah. nothing to me. That fucking gets me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it, that's the, the, the fuck thing is he sounds like such a nice that's guy. That's the thing. He sounds like someone you want to have a beer with. Mm. Yeah. It, it is tragic, but it's so likable. It was tragic. It was very yeah. sad. And his family loved him, and he loved his family, and- you know, they like from the outside. It looked like there was nothing wrong in his life, yeah. um, but obviously on the inside something was wrong. He was he was sad and he didn't want to live anymore. But he decided to, uh, you know, he just wanted to fly before he <laughs> well, before he died. As far as ways to go out, what a fucking way that's to right, go out. That's right, and yeah. a lot of people, you know, are very sympathetic. He's become somewhat of a hero on the internet. Mm. Um, just well, he's the sky king. <laughs> that's right. He's the sky king, and it raised it raised a lot of awareness about mental health um, and, and all that he sort of thing. Legitimately, people might think we're joking. He legitimately did barrel rolls and loop de loops. Yeah, he absolutely like, did. He, uh, you can yeah. you can look There's it up. There's footage yeah. of it on on YouTube. Yeah, he was just a random dude. He was like, "I'm just going to take this thing for a whirl," you know. Yeah, and it's crazy oh, that it's he was crazy. able to do that. Like I said in in that story, mm. there like. Pilots have come out and said that, like, the fact that he could do that is without any flying experience is just astonishing. Like, they well, they, it just proves how little they actually do. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he was off autopilot the whole time, he didn't know how to engage yeah. the oh, autopilot, uh. but he, he was doing flips and like backflips and stuff. Something you said there, Lachlan, is that he's he sounded like he was at peace, and that was something I picked up when i was listening to him talking to air traffic mm. control like at no point was he like sounding really angry and bitter at the world or like did he no he didn't sound sad or depressed he or was anything. just like you mm. know this is something i gotta do it's unfortunate but this is this is what it's come to and he was like it seemed like he was content to go out like that and i mean he yeah he was it is, he it was is calm. incredibly sad that he had a wife and family that love him and he um didn't stick around for them but um, yeah, it, it didn't seem like he was angry or bitter or had any um, frustration at society no, right. or at anyone in his life. He was just like, no, I just can't handle it anymore. I, I don't think he'd ever ever been angry or bitter in his entire life. He was such a nice guy. Like, he was um, a leader at a Christian youth group. Like, he was always helping people. He was just such a, such a kind dude. Um, and I would encourage anyone to look up his, uh, his blog. He had a blog. Uh, which we'll also link to in the description. He talks about himself and his wife and, you know, the travels that they go on. Um, and he just, it's just just a really nice guy. Very sad story. Hmm. Very sad. Um, yeah, and something that um, uh, is similar to the first story that Brad told, the killed as a guy, um, when people have mental health issues and they've reached the point where they don't want to live anymore, Yeah. Um, usually when they're at that point, it's like you think, oh, why don't you do something epic on your way out? Why don't you do something really cool and really exciting before you go? And usually people are at the point where they're like, just so sick of it and I'm so depressed that I don't have the energy to do that. Or Yeah, they know, can't even the- muster the motivation to do that. Yeah, what's the point or why should I do that or something like that? Whereas the, the first guy, um, Brad's guy, he was like, I'm going to fucking destroy some buildings on my way out yeah. to send a message. And this guy was like, you know, I'm gonna do some barrel rolls. I'm gonna I'm gonna plan and see if I can do something fun before I go. And it's just like you don't usually see that. You see people who are just kind of lonely and will um, not have the energy or the motivation or the um, will to 
do something like that or in the other extreme that they'll not do something cool and fun on their way out but do something really destructive and um yeah they'll they'll commit a shooting or or a bombing or something like that suicide by cop or something like that yeah they'll try and they'll try and take as many people with them as they can take people with them yeah Yeah, whereas these two like brad's guy wanted to send a message but he didn't want to hurt anyone and this second guy just wanted to um do something on his Yeah, own. Richard Russell didn't hurt anyone. There was no, in, like, no fatalities, no even injuries other than himself. Um, obviously, he stole a plane yeah. and completely destroyed it by crashing it. But he even he was so nice that he even picked a plane that wasn't scheduled for any more flights that day. <laughs> like, because he didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, he didn't want to screw up anyone's plans. Obviously, he did because they grounded all the planes. But... Yeah. Like that's that's how much yeah. thought he put into not like making trouble for anyone else. Is that he specifically picked a plane that wasn't going to be used at well, all for the rest of the day? He must have known that they were going to ground planes and that all air traffic control was going to mm. be focused yeah. on him rather than other things, and he was going to cause a lot of um, people to spend a lot of time sorting this stuff out, including the people who had to yeah. clean up the um, crash site and everything. So, I mean. Yeah, he, I mean, he didn't hurt anyone, but he did cause a lot of inconvenience. He did, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, it, is, it is something that's really sad. And when I listen to that audio, it kind of, um, I don't know how to feel about it. It's kind of like a melancholy feeling, you know. It's, it's it's really sad, but there's something sort of meaningful at the same time. It, it I, was, um, I was writing my notes for it last night, um, and I was pretty drunk. Um <laughs> Uh, it was before I got to the part where I was listening to the audio again, and I was just too sad, like writing about this whole guy's life and you know everything he had and Do you think all the, the people fact around that him. He was like a sort of average white guy who's twenty nine, and all of us are twenty nine as well. Do you think that was like you could oh, really definitely. empathize with him? Definitely. Um, but you know, I, I had to actually stop. I had to like you know put it down. I'm like, I can't do this anymore until I sober up. I had to come back to it today. Too many feels. That's right. I think- yeah, I think the thing is, it's so sad because you hear how, how fun he's Yeah, sounds. and I think the other thing as well is because there's audio of it. Like, you can hear his last mm. moments, uh, and that's not something you often Yeah, well, hear. I mean, you, you expect someone who set on killing themselves to sound depressed well, and angry, yeah, panicking and stuff like that. But he just, like, if he'd somehow landed this plane, you'd want to take him for a beer yeah, after and be like, fucking well done, man. Yeah, that's definitely. fucking legendary. You'd be like, that. that's fucking sick. Like, you just pulled that off, and- and yeah, he even, I, I he even said at one point to the guys part. in the tower, he's like, oh, you guys sound like someone I'd want to go have a beer with. <laughs> and didn't he say, didn't he say, if I can land this plane, do you think they'll give me a job at Alaska Airlines? <laughs> yeah. 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 Did, and the yeah. guy in the tower, obviously trying to just say whatever he could to get him to land, is like, oh, I think they'll give you any job you want. <laughs> and Richard Russell just goes, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, um, no, that was, that's that was a really good story and really sad story. Are you guys ready to mm. move on to the next one? Yeah. yeah. Can you change the mood, please? Right, yeah. lift, lift the spirits up now with um, a, a fun story, something a little more comical. So, this next story is a weird one and it takes a bit of explaining, but the juice is definitely worth the squeeze. We must first cast <laughs> our gaze backward to 1979 and Middle Eastward to the Middle East. (laughs) 40 years ago, you could stroll down the main streets of Tehran and see spicy Persian chicks walking around in miniskirts. 
it was sweltering in the desert, and Allah had not yet told these olive skin hotties what they could wear. <laughs> <laughs> but that was all about to end abruptly when the Islamic Revolution in Iran changed the culture almost overnight. Suddenly, women were second-class citizens again. Born into this repressive milieu is our anti-hero, Nazim Agdam. It is as if she has always known intrinsically that she was conceived in a free Iran and refused to accept the brave new world into which she was born. This is a woman who doesn't like people telling her what to do. <laughs> An accomplished woman, Nazim already spoke four languages when she moved to the land of the free in 1996. She was 17 years old. Nazim was interested in human rights, sure, but more consequentially, she was interested in animal rights. She became a vegan, and, as every vegan is obliged to do, she started telling as many people as possible. <laughs> Nassim decided that the best way to get her message out to uh, the maximum number of people was to create YouTube channels in English, Persian, and Turkish. The content of her videos was as varied as those languages. In some videos, she presented the moral case for veganism. In others, she spoke at length about animal rights. She made weird videos that didn't really have to do with anything and my personal favorite she made workout videos <laughs> think back to high school to all those early morning workout shows with those spicy ladies in tights doing sexual leg movements activating the tinderbox that was your teenage hormones when you woke up especially early before school or as weeks as style now imagine the twilight zone version of that <laughs> There's something very eerie about our friend Nazim's cold, dead stare as she does her workout. It's like she's looking right through you. You're totally exposed before Queen Nazim. Her fashion style is also quite eerie and very hard to place. The best guess is that it is inspired by the trends of the 1980s. Although, like Adam Sandler in You Don't Mess With The Zohan, it's a foreigner's uncanny approximation of the 80s. <laughs> she wears oddly patterned tights, including one-piece workout leotards in bright yellow, in camouflage, and in leopard print. She has a weird haircut that is only just not a mullet. <laughs> she, is not... uh... she is not an unattractive woman, but she is certainly weird-looking. She seems like the kind of person who could be given a makeover by a normal person and come out looking quite nice indeed. But those eyes, those fucking eyes, no makeup can hide that much crazy. <laughs> The eyes are the window to this soul, and this chick has a fucking crazy soul. <laughs> Nazim's YouTube channels were not gaining the traction that she assumed they would. She had hoped for a bigger following and believed she deserved more views. In her mind, it wasn't that people didn't want her w want to watch her. After all, who wouldn't want to watch a weird-looking woman with absolutely no char charisma stare at you while doing slow, repetitive workout moves <laughs> to jazzy electronic music? No, it wasn't that. It was YouTube intentionally holding her back. On her website, she wrote, YouTube filtered my channels to keep them from getting views. And also, there is no free speech in the real world, and you'll be suppressed for telling the truth that is not supported by the system. Videos of targeted users are filtered and merely relegated so that the people can hardly see their videos. That is 100% true. No yeah. joke. Yeah, it is true. <laughs> Nazim believed that she could be, and she should be, a YouTube star. She should be one of the few people who can make a living from creating videos on YouTube. When one of her channels was demonetized entirely, Nazim snapped. Oh. For those who aren't in the know, demonetization is when YouTube decides as a company 
that they won't play ads in front of your videos, believing that your content is too objectionable for companies to want to be associated with you. YouTube shares the revenues, the revenue made from ads with the owner of the video. So in doing this to the same, YouTube were forfeiting a very small portion of their own ad revenue, but a huge portion of Nazim's revenue. She took to the streets in outrage, holding up a sign that read, YouTube dictatorship, hidden policy, Promote stupidity, discrimination, suppression of truth, www.nasinsabs.com. Share if you hate discrimination. <laughs> I imagine she got a lot of shares. Like and subscribe. <laughs> but taking to the streets didn't work. She took, she took to the highways instead and drove north, north towards Silicon Valley. She was mad as hell and she wasn't going to take it anymore. At 12.46... PM on April 3rd, 2018, Queen Nassim entered YouTube headquarters in San Bruno, California to exact her bloody revenge. <laughs> she took with her a 9mm semi-automatic pistol and indiscriminately opened fires on staffers eating lunch, managing to shoot three people, one critically, but fortunately, none fatally. Having proven herself, and possibly because she was exhausted due to a lack of iron and or protein, <laughs> Nassim turned... Nazim turned the gun on herself, firing a bullet straight through her heart. She died as she lived, breaking stereotypes. <laughs> There's, a ma- <laughs> There's a mass shooting attempt. That must be a man. Nope, it's Queen Nassim. A terrorist attack at YouTube over censorship concerns? Must be some alt-right Nazi. Nope, <laughs> it's a left-wing vegan. <laughs> Muslim shoots up a bunch of Americans? Must be a jihadist attack. Nope, it's our girl, Nassim. <laughs> she died two days before her 39th birthday. RIP in peace, Nassim. You are too pure for this world. That fucking song gets me every time. You know what I love about <laughs> the same story? Yeah. Is that she was dead on in saying that YouTube is like censoring people <laughs> and influencing yeah. what videos people see and all that sort of thing. But not hers. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hers weren't getting views just because they were fucking weird. Yeah. She, it's not like she was targeted. It's just everyone gets that shit. Yeah, that's uh. right. That's right. Well, it, no, some people are targeted. To be yeah, fair. no, but not her because she's fucking much, insignificant. No, much bigger channels from her. The only yeah. reason she wasn't getting views is because she'd fucking stare through the computer <laughs> screen directly <laughs> into the back of your brain. <laughs> she'd creep you out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I didn't know she shot herself in the heart. That's kind of mad. I know, that's pretty gangster, isn't it? <laughs> I wish I had known that. I would have queued up that... Uh, that's <laughs> shot through the heart yeah. and you're too funny. <laughs> You give YouTube a bad, bad name. name. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I was thinking if if she managed to actually kill another person on her way out, it would have made this story really dark and sad. Oh, absolutely. But the yeah. fact she didn't get anybody just kind of makes it funny. And I remember, it just makes it funny, that's right. I remember when this story was breaking and there was a lot of misinformation going around about it and people didn't know exactly what happened and the story was breaking. Yeah. It was really intense and, um, you know, everyone kind of was feeling a little on edge about it. And then when it was confirmed, uh, no one died and she's a 
left-wing vegan from uh, Iran, <laughs> and this is a picture of her, everyone was just like, oh, this is the funniest thing. <laughs> it just instantly turned from like, oh, God, it's a mass shooting to, oh, this is ridiculous. This is so yeah. funny. That's the thing. It's just so, like, her videos are so bizarre. It's just, like, I don't know. It's not Uncanny Valley, but it's something like that where it just- Yeah. Like, just looking at it makes you- like it, her it face gets at your lizard brain valley. or something. Yeah. It's something instinctual, just makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> it's just like every every single thing she did was totally one hundred percent sincere. Like you'd think someone yeah. doing the sort of shit that she did would have some semblance of irony there and like a little bit of you know understanding that their yeah. audience is looking at them being like what the fuck is this bitch doing but she was like no i'm a very serious person and here's a here's a picture of me holding a chicken and i'm really serious when i'm holding this chicken. <laughs> i'm not i'm not jovially holding this chicken and having a good time i'm serious how can you not be happy when holding a chicken <laughs> um yeah but sh- she was she was fucking crazy obviously and um yeah, it was it was a very funny story. <laughs> <laughs> but the the crazy thing about it as well is that she lived in uh, Southern California, like just outside of LA, and the YouTube headquarters are like just outside San Francisco. Mm. And her dad called the police to say that she has gone missing. She's left home, and we're worried about her. And she has a vendetta against YouTube, so we're worried that she's going up to San Francisco. And then the morning before the shooting, morning meaning like 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. or whatever. Yes. Um, like 12 hours before the shooting, the police in San Francisco found her sleeping in her car, like yes. 25 miles from YouTube headquarters. Mm-hmm. And they said, like, you know, there's body cam footage <laughs> that you can watch. It's like a full six minute Ironically, video. Ironically, you can watch it on YouTube. Yeah, it's a full six minutes of body cam footage. And yeah. the, they're saying to her, you know, like, your dad's really worried about you. He He's called and he said you're missing and he wants to make sure you're okay. You know, we ran your plates and it came back as a missing person report from San, San like, you know, somewhere south in California. So, yeah. they had all this information that her dad's really worried, but they didn't think to say, like... All right, you're 25 miles from YouTube headquarters, and he said you might have a vendetta against YouTube, and you're going up there. Like, <laughs> yeah, it just seems like maybe, they could have yeah. sorted it well, out. Well, you know, San Francisco police—they find a foreigner with a gun. They probably just assumed she's a non-citizen and let her go. <laughs> I have to let her go. Um, uh, yeah, it, it is really weird because you watch it, and then they say like, "Oh, we got to do a welfare check or whatever," and that's it. Though they just let her go. She's sleeping in her car. Well, like, I mean, she hadn't committed a crime. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you. crimes against nature. It's a, it's a hard one. Those eyes of hers. <laughs> those cops are like, we should probably do something with her. But then they're like, it's not worth the fucking effort. And then she shoots up the fucking YouTube headquarters and they're like, whoa. <laughs> that looks bad. Yeah. What are they meant to do, though? Like, yeah, what can they do? She hasn't done anything wrong. Yeah, no, I'm with you. But well, she didn't do anything wrong. I don't want to get f- into some fucking minority report shit here. No, no. no it was it was preempting crimes. When they were talking to her on the body cam, they had asked her all these questions about where she's from and blah blah blah, all this sort of stuff. And she she was always you know polite and answering them back and stuff. And then they said, "You're not like you're not going to hurt yourself or hurt anyone else." And she kind of smiled like she'd been caught, like you know, like <laughs> a kid, like a kid who's stolen some. Uh, lollies and they're like did you steal them and she kind of had this sheepish <laughs> grin on her face and she just shook her head really quickly and i was yeah. like oh fuck 
<laughs> Considering what actually time. happened, no. Because in I'm not shoot up YouTube. In, in one way, in one way, the police could look at that and go like, "Yeah, she's laughing because it's a ridiculous question. Like, what else mm. is she going to say?" Like, when you go to vote here in Australia, and they say. Uh, have you voted anywhere else today? Like every time they ask me that, I forget and I laugh. I'm like, I don't want to fucking vote once. I'm not definitely. I'm not going to vote <laughs> twice. So it kind of makes me laugh. So they might have just been thinking like, oh yeah, she's laughing because it's a ridiculous question. But in hindsight, it's like she's laughing because she's like, oh fuck, <laughs> do they know? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I'm gonna fuck that place up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. She was. It seemed like she didn't though. plan it out too well. She just like went to the no, outdoor patio and started passion. shooting people, but didn't really. She should have waited eighteen months, like the Killdozer guy did, and seen if she was still angry after that. Oh yeah, that's a stain. <laughs> Let it reach. fester. I'm sure she would have cooled off. That's Let it fester and ferment <laughs> and boil up to white <laughs> rage. After eighteen months, she might have been able to kill one person. Uh, no, nah, she could have went <laughs> full right, Timothy McVeigh on. Whenever you plan on doing something crazy out of anger, you have to wait eighteen months and build a Killdozer. <laughs> it'll either. Like, you won't be angry anymore, or you'll be just so fucking furious that you bulldoze half a town. Yep, exactly. Uh, crazy, crazy lady. And um, yeah. I will we'll link to some of her videos in the description, because her, her yes. face is definitely worth looking at. When she's doing her workout yeah. videos, and she's just doing these slow, repetitive movements, and she's just staring straight into the camera. It's, yeah, it's just- facial features are, like, motionless. She doesn't, like... She has no Other expressions. Something you, really you said uncanny valley, and she is right in the center of that uncanny yeah, valley. Even weird, though she's weird. human, it's just like, ugh. <laughs> she's got such maybe, a weird Maybe fucking she's face. like a human alien hybrid or something. Mm, they're called Iranians. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but who would have thought that? Like, somebody shot up YouTube. Who was it? Oh, it's like a Persian f- feminist uh, <laughs> vegan. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, um, all right, so I think it's time for everybody's favorite segment, Morgan's movie review. Incorrect. Morgan. 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 Morgan's movie review. All right, this week I reviewed Falling Down, 1993, which stars Michael Douglas as a man, William Defense Foster, who snaps. Foster is a divorcee who is not allowed to see his kid, and he's just been laid off from work. One day, he's stuck in a traffic jam during a heat wave, idiots beeping their horn all around him, and his air conditioner breaks. He can't handle it anymore, so he gets out of his car and starts walking. Walking towards his marital home, where his ex-wife lives, so he can see his child on her birthday. He's pissed off and isn't going to take any shit from anyone. I'm just trying to get home for my little girl's birthday, and if everyone will stay out of my way, no one will get hurt. Spoiler alert, a bunch of people get hurt. (laughs) (laughs) falling down takes place in 1993 los angeles aka hell on earth (laughs) aka no country for white men first foster first foster berates and assaults a korean shop owner then he berates and assaults two mexican gang members at this point it seems that the movie is heading towards full white nationalist propaganda but from then on, thankfully, every villain Foster meets is white, culminating in him meeting an actual neo-Nazi with whom he is suitably disgusted. At times, Foster's outrage towards society and others is totally justified, and you can't help but empathise with him. Examples of this include the Mexican gang members telling him to leave a park because it is their property, a homeless guy harassing him and telling obvious lies to try to get money, 
and the city workers who are blocking traffic to fix a perfectly fine road simply because the budget for next year will be reduced if they don't find a way to spend more of the taxpayers' money. Any of these one things would make a reasonable person angry. But other times, Foster seems like a crotchety old man who doesn't understand basic economics or advertising. This includes the time when he trashes a Korean corner store for charging him too much money for a Coke, when he gets annoyed at a fast food worker because his burger doesn't look like the picture, and when he complains that a plastic surgeon makes too much money. (laughs) Regardless of the inconsistency in my empathy, I really enjoyed the ride. At times, I was living vicariously through Foster, feeling his pain and sharing his outrage. Other times I was annoyed at him, wanting to tell him to just calm down and fucking get over it. The intensity builds throughout the movie to a climactic final scene that really packs an emotional punch. For all his flaws and his clearly unethical way of showing his frustration, you can't help feel a little bit sorry for Foster. This is the story of an intelligent man who feels like he no longer has a place in society. It's depressing, brutal, intense, and ultimately poignant. I think that all adds up to an 8 out of 10. Oh... Well nice. Yes. That's uh, that's three out of ten, three eight out of tens in a row now. If I'm not Who's mistaken, <laughs> have you guys seen the movie? No, I haven't. I haven't. No, yeah. it sounds Michael good, Douglas. Though. It's a, it's kind of an intense movie. <laughs> yeah, sounds so, like yeah. it. Does he actually beat the shit out of people because the burger doesn't look like the Macca's burger or whatever? Uh, no, not in that scene. Like he, he initially goes to the, to the fast food restaurant and he wants he wants breakfast food, but it's just ticked over to the lunch menu. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. That he has my complete nut of support. So he pulls out Fuck him. He pulls out an Uzi, which he just took off a Mexican <laughs> oh, Which he just took off a yes. he just took it off a Mexican gang member. And then he's um yelling at the people and he accidentally fires it into the ceiling and then he feels bad because he scared oh, all the customers, so he said, Okay, I will eat lunch now. And then they give him a, <laughs> they give him a, they give him a burger, and he's like, "This looks nothing like the picture," and he's like getting really pissed off at him because he's like, "What's the difference?" And he's like holding this squashed flat burger, and he's like pointing to the screen where the thing is. So, um, yeah, it just. <laughs> I actually, I actually know someone, uh, one of our listeners who I know will be listening to this right now, got very upset at a Macca's employee because. Uh, what he received wasn't the same as the picture on the on the really? board. Yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, just just think about that, Tom, when you're lying asleep, uh, lying awake in the middle of the night. Just remember that you got upset at a poor minimum wage employee because you didn't get the glass <laughs> that was in the picture. <laughs> oh man, that movie actually sounds amazing. I want to watch it. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. It, at times. Yeah, at times he just seems like a crazy person. Like, you know, why are you getting upset at that? That's just ridiculous. And other times you're like, yeah, I totally get it. Um, there was a scene where he- Michael Douglas is good at playing a real dickhead. Yeah, there was too. a scene where he got a red light uh, ticket and I was really feeling his pain. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't really. Um, uh, okay, Brad, do you want to finish us off with your power rankings? I do. Brad power rankings. <laughs> oh, so powerful. Uh, when you say I feel like yourself, that's what uh, that's what Marvin Hemeyer was listening to in the kill <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like this really is the money shot of the old podcast. So I feel like <laughs> <laughs> might not be yeah, our favorite, <laughs> but it's the big finish. Get, we don't want to be hit with it. <laughs> no one wants it in their face. Um, <laughs> all right, so this week's 
power rankings are top five best forms of revenge. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. So top five again. Yep. I'm, I'm pretty happy with the five. I think it's good. It's a good number. I don't know. I might right. change it up if it's a, if there's more well, material. That's, that's why it's important that you're happy. It doesn't matter what our audience thinks. No, no, it doesn't. It's All my right, Rolling on in, number five. All right. So uh, number five is the worst? The worst best. Fifth the best. worst. Shut up, Walker. Best. Fifth best, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what you, if you're the person receiving the revenge, though? Then well, is it no, the then best? It, would, it would be the best word. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> See, I know you're I just doing want to this, make sure and we're I'm happy to indulge page. you every week. <laughs> but apparently Morgz has had enough of it. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm going to explode here. <laughs> cool. It's that little, it's that little um, grunt at the end that he does. Yeah. Hilarious. It's beautiful. <laughs> In, in the clip, <laughs> I don't know if it's Ron or Todd, the, the younger one actually like yeah, steps away from it. Yeah, takes a step back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Simpsons is the best. All right, so number five, fecal-related shenanigans. Oh. Yep. Yep. So yep. When, it, when it comes to getting low-tier revenge, nothing beats the tried and tested. Neighbor annoying you? Simply get some shit, put it in a bag, and burn it on their doorstep. <laughs> Feeling a little risque? Go a la carte and just shit straight on oh. their doorstep. <laughs> you get the point. There is no limit to how creative you can be here. The only downside is that shit doesn't last forever, but hopefully the memories will. <laughs> All right. Number four. Grievous bodily harm. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says you've crossed the wrong motherfucker for the last time, like cracking a few skulls. Uh, the best part of this revenge is the sheer variety of misdeeds that it can cover. Caught a lover in a scandalous tryst? Beat them. Someone stole your property? <laughs> Beat them. Small child mouthing off? Beat them. Oh, God. <laughs> this entry drops a few places because if you don't beat someone severely enough to intimidate them into silence, you can un- end up on the wrong side of the law. <laughs> I recommend yelling something to the effect of, You ain't gonna tell no one about this <laughs> while beating your victim. <laughs> Just to cover your bases. Uh, <laughs> All right, uh, number three, seduction. <laughs> okay. Often employed by the fairer sex, this method of revenge is, a, is as effective as it is sexy. <laughs> Nothing puts a person in their place like saying, hey, Barry, you know that money you owe me, you cracked out, cunt? Don't worry about it. I fucked your wife and she took it on the face. <laughs> 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 Choose your poison on how to get that person's significant other into bed. But bonus points if you manage to pull off the elusive family member. Oh, oh. sleep tight, knowing that you destroyed an entire family with your genitals. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, extortion. <laughs> this is the thinking man's revenge. If you have the wherewithal to pull this off, it has a huge upside, usually of the monetary persuasion, if you know what I mean. They say there's nothing sweeter than something you've worked hard for. I say, fuck that. It's a million times better if it's paid for in the blood, sweat, and tears of your foes. <laughs> number, number one, murder. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've reached the big enchilada, so to speak. <laughs> if, if you're at this point, someone's clearly fucked up. This is the <laughs> ultimate revenge because there ain't no undoing dead. So, make sure your affairs, your affairs are in order and get to work. Hey, <laughs> why stop at your intended target? 
just salt the earth, so to speak, oh. and take out their family oh. as well. Jesus. Oh, <laughs> the bonus of this revenge is that you'll probably be the famous guy who killed an entire family just because they wouldn't stop shitting on your doorstep. That's <laughs> 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 my power rankings. Uh, I feel like from a legal standpoint, we need to clarify that Brad's power rankings is not uh, an advice segment. <laughs> uh, don't don't kill anyone. <laughs> If you do kill someone, don't kill their family members. That's just fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> That's just too far, man. Oh, I mean, if you want it to be effective. Are you fucking... Still <laughs> waiting for offers from lawyers to represent us. <laughs> You're a fucking mafia boss or something? <laughs> like I said, salt the earth. You know that, you know that scene in The Untouchables where um, Robert De Niro's like, mm-hmm. I want him dead. I want his family dead. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's not me. I'm just saying it's the most effective form of revenge. Well, actually, I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, I was going to say, all your things are about stepping up the um, the retaliation. And, of course, revenge begets revenge. So it's going to keep going. Yes. And mm-hmm. you think it would end with murder, but you murder someone, their family members are going to come after you. So you've got to kill them and everybody they love. That's so right. You're really going to yeah. step it up. Don't do that, though. Yeah. Mm. I also did a nice little circular thing, you know, just there with the shitting on the door. It doesn't count if you yeah, reference yeah. it after I got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, just for anyone who hadn't picked up on it. it anyway, uh, I think as Lachlan said, we should end this episode with a bit of a PSA. So Brad's power rankings yes, is on an absolutely. advice segment, but also we're talking about people who snapped in this episode, and um, it's totally understandable that people snap every now and then. You just go crazy, go off the deep end. That's okay, but when you do that, make sure you don't hurt anybody else because that is unacceptable, and I want to be held accountable for it. Um, we've kind of glorified people snapping a little bit here, potentially, but um, all the people that we've been glorifying have not killed anybody. So keep that in mind. Don't hurt anybody if you're going to snap and uh, take care of your mental health. I actually have something written down here um, in, in that fact. I think mine was good just, just off the cuff, to, sort to of an impromptu thing, so let's just end it there. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Mental health is something that we need to take very seriously. If you're not feeling okay, then please reach out and speak to somebody. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's not weak or weird. It's very common and it's something that you can get help with. I personally suffer from depression. I have nearly half my life and speaking to my GP about it is one of the best things I've ever done. I wish I did it years earlier. Just remember that it's okay to not be okay and please ask for help if you need it. Oh, that was beautiful. With that, uh, we've got uh, the song Killdozer from Dope Throne to take us out. Oh, please uh, do. So, thank you everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, you can list, find and listen to all our episodes at http colon forward slash forward slash www.bradisabadperson.com. Uh, you can also find there everywhere you can subscribe to us to make sure you get our new episodes as they release every Sunday. Um, follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Lachlan Glenn. And uh, share this episode with your friends because, you know, I think we do a good job. Yeah, I think it's fair. Thanks for listening. See you.